Hello and welcome to the Joyful Doctor podcast. My name is Dr Caroline Walker and I am the Joyful Doctor. Uh, I have a real passion for helping doctors to live happier lives full of reward and meaning and that's why I really wanted to bring you this podcast. Each episode is going to be an interview with an amazing doctor that I respect, love, admire and think has some wonderful things to share with you to help you to become an even more joyful doctor than you already are. I've um, really struggled over the years and um, as a doctor and also you know I've fallen in and out of love with medicine many many times and and through it all I just keep coming back to this idea that we should be doing more of what we love. So I hope that through listening to these podcasts you might be able to connect with what it is that you really love to do and to do more of it. Welcome, welcome to the Joyful Doctor podcast. Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Joyful Doctor podcast. We are outdoors today in the beautiful foothills of the Brecon Beacons um, and I've got with me the most amazing Giles Peacroft. Hi Giles. Hello Caroline, thanks for inviting me. Oh it's such a pleasure to be here. When you said to come down and go walking by the canal I was like yes this is this is happening. Um, so let me start as we always do by asking you what does it mean to you to be a joyful doctor? Uh, I suppose for me, the concept of joy, um, it, when, I, when I hear the word joy, I like to think about, well, where is that joy coming from? Um, and so um, being a joyful doctor is being in touch with the, the essence of joy and the, the source of joy and the fact that joy is something that is just inherent as part of being human and isn't something that I'm going to find outside of myself. So uh, as a joyful doctor, I understand where my joy comes from. Lovely. Comes from within. Absolutely couldn't agree more. Um, tell us a bit about yourself, Giles. Who are you? Where do you come from, as Scylla would say? <laughs> <laughs> so I had a fairly standard uh, medical upbringing, um, although I took a year out before uh, university. And... Um, did a intercalated psychology degree uh, as part of my training up in Leeds and then very much liked every specialty that I did so I was one of those people who never knew what it was they were going to do and um, basically wanted to do each of the specialties that I, <laughs> that I trained in. Uh, I, think, I think at one point I made a decision that I wanted to be a radiologist. I liked the idea of radiology and I had to make the decision about whether I was going to go down the medical route or the surgical route and I preferred the idea of interventional radiology so I thought I'll do my surgical membership and then of course you know a couple of years on a surgical rotation got mm. seduced by the dark side <laughs> I ended up wanting to be a surgeon um, did orthopaedics really I remember when I got my when I got my rotation through, I was a bit disappointed. It's like, I really don't want to do orthopaedics because of all the, I don't know, the, the, there was just an impression that I mm. had before I tried it that I wouldn't like it. Mm. And it's true of so many of the specialties, isn't it? They kind of come with these um, ready-built ideas of what they entail or what they're like or the kind of people that do them, yeah. Yeah, and of course then when I did it, 
it was completely different and it was amazing and the most inspiring surgeons I've ever worked with. It was just, they were the, the loveliest bunch and, and I really liked the, um, the nature of the work. Um, I, I suppose I quite liked the, 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 okay, stick the x-ray up, this is busted, let's fix that for you. All right, we'll take you to theatre, we'll fix it. See you then. Yeah. <laughs> it was my kind of thing. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, and so I, and, and then I was at the position of uh, registrar. Um, I was eligible to, I got my membership and was eligible for registrar posts and that was when I, that was when I decided to leave. Tell us a bit more about that. That sounds like a time when perhaps you weren't quite so, quite such a joyful doctor. <laughs> yeah, I suppose there were there were there were quite a few things going on for me. Um, well, for the for the profession in general, really. Um, I'm old enough to remember when the European Working Time Directive came in, and as a surgical apprentice, that really played havoc with my um, with my training, because I was operating less with the same surgeon all the time and I was plugging gaps on the rotor so I could see my training was going to take a lot longer um, and um, I think I'd been I think I'd really been holding on to that that inherited set of values that if I made a load of money and I had a real status job and it could also be something where I was helping people, mm-hmm. then, th- then that was the perfect set of ingredients for happiness. Mm. That, that, that was what I'd been, that was my modus. That was what I thought, that's, that's the way I thought that life worked. <laughs> and I got to this crossroads and it became apparent that life didn't work like that at mm. all because I had lots and lots of evidence of people ahead of me, people who'd crossed this um, imaginary finish line that I'd made up and they had the money and they had the status and they had the holidays and the families and the cars and the and the houses and some of them were miserable Mm. it's funny you should say this because as you know I'm writing my um, book this month and um, I was just writing some on the train on the way here um, enjoying the lovely countryside views and and I was reliving a bit of my story that was about when I left my training to become to do the joyful doctor and um, and yeah just I remember looking around and just not being not seeing all of these consultant psychiatrists out there and just not really seeing anybody that was doing something that I really wanted to do or that was really seemed really happy they all seemed fairly um, kind of just coping or just getting by or making the best of things or you know really loving some parts of their jobs but having to put up with absolutely horrible parts to to kind of to be able to do their job and and it just it was really hard to to not have those positive role models to look up to that you know to think what do you want to do next you know yeah so so that that was a real watershed moment for me and and it was it was kind of a relief because to see that life didn't work that way, like really, I think I really saw it. it was th- that took a whole load of pressure off me mm-hmm. because it was like, okay, so I, d- I don't have to do things that way. Mm-hmm. And I started looking for other ways of, of, of living and other ways of, 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 of working. And I think, you know, one, one of the reasons that I was maybe not quite so joyful in those times was because m- my my values had kind of, 
had evolved over time. Mm. It, it took me quite a few years of working for the biggest establishment in the UK to recognise that I had a massive anti-establishment streak <laughs> <laughs> that I was totally unaware of, you know. Uh, yeah, I think many doctors going into medicine, you sort of think about the patients in front of you, don't you? You don't really realise you're, you're going to be part of this massive... Um, yeah, as you say, one of the biggest institutions in the world, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, and 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 I had a real desire for uh, for autonomy and um, and and influence. You know, I thought, well, you know, I've, mm. I've 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 worked really really hard, and yet I still felt like this tiny, tiny, tiny little cog in the system, and. Um, at the whim of every decision of the health minister, you know, my, my, my working life would change regularly as a, mm. as a result of whichever government was in power. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to, uh, to, to have a more strategic um, role in the NHS. So I moved sideways into, into health informatics because mm. I'd, I'd, I'd had a, I was a bit of a geek and I had a real interest in the way that we managed or mismanaged information in healthcare. So, um, so I went off and did uh, I went off and did that instead for a few years, and then that also that freed up the I became a more joyful doctor again for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting because having having clocked having clocked that 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 the world doesn't work sort of outside in that the stuff outside of us can't make us happy, mm. including careers. Mm-hmm. I then went and made the same mistake all over again mm-hmm. to really hammer it home, which mm-hmm. is, okay, so if surgery isn't the thing that's going to make me happy, well, maybe health informatics <laughs> is the thing that's going to make me happy. And uh, Well, we were talking while, about yeah, yeah this earlier, weren't we, about how often doctors will do that. They'll take a sort of slightly sideways step, but not too far from yes. where they started because yeah. um, it's what you see other people doing. It yeah. seems possible, you know, we don't necessarily look that little bit further afield and think of all the other ah. you know things that we could do and it's interesting you say that because I, I did I, I like I filled in a career change workbook at the time and one of the exercises that we had to do was write a letter to a friend detailing the best job ever like some real creative dreaming and mine was all about riding my bike ah. and writing <laughs> And when I when I when I fell into this health informatics job with the Royal College of Physicians, which is just a thing that just seemed to happen out of nowhere, um, I remember the careers advisor saying, "You know, don't you, that, that 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 this isn't this isn't this isn't what's really really driving you." And at the time, I was like, "Nope, but it's going to pay me some money, and it's <laughs> and it's good enough, and you know, and I am really interested in it." Mm. And you know, and to be fair, I absolutely threw myself into it. Because it, it, it was one, it was wonderful. I had the autonomy. I had the influence. You know, I went from being a junior doctor to sitting on national committees and you know having meetings with the the head of the healthcare commission and things mm. like that. It's interesting you talk about throwing yourself into it like that because I think as doctors we tend to be of that sort of personality type, don't we? Where we'll kind of just go for it. We will really we're very capable, bright. Uh, individuals and we kind of we get given a challenge and we just throw ourselves at it and so actually you can end up in a job thinking that you're enjoying it and it's going well and because you're capable and you're doing it and actually don't necessarily stop to think is this what I really what is this what really brings me joy and it sounds like for you that was cycling yeah for sure yeah and so doing do it working for the college um i had a nine-to-five job mm. so i could go out cycling in the evenings and, and the weekends and my cycling adventures got bigger and bigger uh and i was single at the time so every holiday i went on was a cycling holiday and i used to keep a journal and then i i just 
one day I decided to submit an article to my favourite cycling magazine. Um, had to do that really painful thing of phoning up the editor every single week. Have you read it yet? 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 And eventually he did. And he said, oh, I like this. He said, you can write, can't you? So, and the next thing I know, I'm on the books at my favourite cycling magazine and being sent all over Europe to ride my bike and get paid for it. I love that. That is such a fantastic example of you. All you, all you did was ask yourself what it was you loved to do. And then you did it. And you just sent it off. It was that easy, you know, it wasn't, you didn't have to go off and often with doctors we kind of get trapped in that thinking of, oh, well, I'd have to retrain or I'd have to have experience or go through, year, jump through hoops because that's what we've had to do in medicine. But actually, sometimes it can be as simple as just doing the thing that you love and putting it in front of someone. It, it totally is. It totally is. I mean, I've spoken about, about career change for, for a decade now and, and, I've, and I've always made the point very, very early on in, in my talk that it's it's not qualifications you need it's 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 a genuine interest mm. and it's enthusiasm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because and curiosity because if you ask enough people enough questions like getting into health informatics health informatics isn't a thing it's still not really a thing these days and yet you know it fed and clothed my family for a decade yeah. um and that only came about by me really being interested in it and just being guided by my intuition that mm. hang on a minute you know this makes sense I'm a junior doctor I know the way that the front line works I also have this interest in the technology and the management of information mm. there has to be a way mm. for me to work in this world and when everyone said no you can't I mean I just carried on asking I just carried mm. on asking the questions mm. and eventually the answer came oh yeah well come and I've done that come and come and speak to me and that's how the job came about Tell me more about intuition, because I, I mean, to hear a, a former orthopaedic surgeon talk about intuition, I mean, that's just incredible. I just want doctors out there to hear your thoughts on that. Well, we, we've all seen it. We've all seen it because we talk of clinical intuition. I mean, if you, th- if you think of the most mm. inspiring doctor, senior, senior clinician that you've worked with, What's usually inspiring about them is 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 that that little something where they they they're making the decisions on the basis of clinical intuition. And I remember standing around the end of the bed and just being amazed mm-hmm. by these senior clinicians. It's like, how do you know? How do you know to do that? How do you know to make that decision? And Almost then, like they've sniffed something that we, no one else can sniff. Yeah. Like have you seen the result I've not seen or something, yeah. you know. And they'd always say, no, no, it's clinical. So, so you know, we're we're in touch with it. Mm. We're in touch with it. And like you know, we, we don't see it because because it's part of us mm. and we're, we're using it all the time we really are you know if we're if we're hungry we eat if we're thirsty we drink there's you know all the just like the little mm-hmm. things the little normal bits of life where intuition comes into play yeah absolutely although interestingly as a jobbing doctor out there in the nhs obviously we get i think we'd get cut off from our intuition quite quickly because you know, you might be hungry and want to eat, but actually you've got those 10 patients waiting to be seen or you might need to go to the loo, but you're going to hold on because, you you know, you're doing CPR on somebody. Or, And actually we there's almost a that barrier over years and years that, that gets between us and, um, and that ability to know what it is that we really want mm. to do or how we're really feeling in any given moment. It's because it, it's such an intellectual pursuit, isn't it? You know, medicine's such an intellectual pursuit. Mm. And... 
I've come to learn that the intellect is a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of, of what we have at our disposal, mm. of, of all the things that we don't know, mm. uh, including intuition, including joy and, mm. and happiness and our well-being. You know, these are all, these are all characteristics of being human that are just there. Mm. They're just there. They're there waiting for us. Mm. And we, we, we get in the way of them. We get in the way of them with our busy minds. We mm-hmm. get in the way of them with all the stories that we tell ourselves. And, yeah. and we live, we, you know, we create these stories in our heads. And we live inside those stories instead of living in the real world, which is right under our noses right now and with yeah. all the good stuff waiting for us. Yeah. Like right now I could be standing here thinking, oh, I wonder if this podcast's interesting. I wonder what people are going to be thinking. I wonder if the sound of that digger in the background is going to be distracting everyone in my head. Or I can just be present. You know, you feel that slightly soggy, muddy ground underfoot and uh, the slightly crisp, cold air and of I, this and gorgeous winter day. And I could be thinking of the next thing to say instead of actually listening to what you're saying. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, listening, for me, I've learned, since I started coaching, I've learned so much about listening, the skill mm. of listening. Because if you're really listening to somebody... There's not room in your head for anything else. You might get a little, you know, the little voice will be there saying, oh, I've got a good idea. And you can just like, no, you can acknowledge it. And you can, if it's good enough, it will come back. Mm. I'm listening right now, thanks. Mm. I'm listening right now. And so there's no better way to get present than, than, than to listen, to, you know, really listen beyond the words of what someone's saying. Listen to what they're actually saying, not just the words. And that... I know we've spoken before about the power of silence as well Um, and how so often in day-to-day conversation we can just be not coming straight back in with the next comment or the next idea or the next thought and actually it being okay to to leave a space. It's where all the answers are. He says jumping into the space. (laughs) (laughs) It it might not work quite so well for a podcast recording. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We both stood here with serene grins on our faces out in the countryside. (laughs) No, but again, I come to see like that that whole intuition piece and the joy piece and the well-being piece that's 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 always there. That comes into the space. That comes into the space that we create when we let go of our busy minds mm. and when you know when we when we see that thought is just it's just passing through you know we're not we're not looking for a we're not looking to achieve some kind of nirvana where we've got a completely quiet mind no we're just looking to to, to see what thought is to see if what mm. it is it's just it's just passing on through mm. it's it's impersonal mm. it's impersonal until we make it personal and then we make it personal and hey presto you've got layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of thought mm. and that's when you're not going to hear your intuition mm. you're not going to feel your well-being you're living in something that's not real you're living either in the past mm-hmm. which is a thought that's happening now mm-hmm. or you're living in the worrying about the future which is a thought that's happening now mm-hmm. and just seeing underneath all mm-hmm. of those stories that's where you find your joy that's where you find your well-being and it's always there waiting for you mm. yeah so something um if you can get that concept there's something really powerful about that isn't it because you can actually change how you feel in any given moment or you can let the 
you can let yourself, you can let it pass through and not make it your job. Because again, mm. making it your job to change your feelings, yeah. that's a tough ask. Yeah. That's yeah. A, and, actually, and it you know, involves As I said it, I thought, <laughs> yeah. I thought, actually, no, sometimes it's about, yeah, just, I guess, noticing though and letting those feelings be and not feeling like you have to change them as well. Yeah. Because, you know, we're, ho- we're homeostatic beings, aren't we? Mm. You know, right inside us now, all of our organ systems are all, they all know, they're all coming back to a, you know, to a set point. So mm. our, our, our liver's processing toxins and, and our, you know, if we, if, we, if we ran off down the canal here, our breathing rate would increase and our, and our, and our heart rate would increase. And that's not something that we have to take charge of. No. That just happens. Mm. And then when we stop it'll come back into balance again mm. and our psychology is the same mm. our psychology wants to come back into balance mm. you know otherwise the angriest you'd ever been you'd still be that angry now mm. the moods they pass they pass through if we leave them alone mm. if we see them for what they are which is just weather fronts passing through yeah there's a, a famous saying in the rooms of alcoholics anonymous this too shall pass mm. Um, and it, it's quite famous because it really irritates people when you say that because often you say it's when or when you hear it is when you're feeling the worst yeah. so you're, you're sitting there feeling at your absolute lowest or most angry or most upset or you know and, and somebody says to you this too shall pass yeah. and you just think oh for goodness sake <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but actually it's so true yeah. because our feelings do just wax and wane like our like yeah. our heart rate yeah, yeah. and yeah. you know like a week two weeks a year five years down the line you're not even going to remember whatever it was that was going on in that moment yeah so not falling for those um thoughts that go along with those feelings and believing that they're they're facts you know that kind of um you know because i feel really rubbish therefore i think i'm a rubbish doctor Mm. well actually no that might not be true i might just think that at the moment because Mm. when i'm feeling rubbish that's the sort of thoughts i get yeah you've got your i'm feeling rubbish goggles on so when you've got your i'm feeling rubbish goggles on Mm. then every single thing you look at will reinforce the fact that you're rubbish yeah but then on another day when you're you know when you're on one when you're not really thinking about it too much and you're you're a bit more in flow well then you've got your kick-ass goggles on and everywhere you look you're kicking ass It's, it's as simple as that it's just it really is as simple as that yeah, and I think part of my journey certainly been coming to accept that um, it's not about searching or trying to always have your kick-ass goggles on. <laughs> Actually, part of being human is wearing lots of different glasses all the time and taking them on and off and, and realising when you've got one pair on that you can, you know, they will come off at some point and another one will come on and you've got, yeah, you're not kind of going to be stuck in with one pair of glasses forever I think that was really important for me when I was at my lowest points as a doctor you know when I was struggling with depression and suicidal and you know drinking and all of that that to know now that I can feel like that but it's not going to last forever mm. is so helpful um it's hope I guess isn't it yeah absolutely and, well. it's, and it's it's knowing that that's not that's not you that's not who you really are mm. that's experience that's experience passing through yeah. and experience is not constant experience changes constantly mm. because it's created in thought moment mm. to moment mm. and so it passes through and it changes mm. and the thing to do is to look for what is constant is to look for what is constant and then again you'll mm. find the joy you find the well-being you find the intuition yeah. you find who you really are which is the the one who's having the experience 
it's, it's really funny that this has come up today because we don't plan what we talk about but um just kind of going with the flow aren't we and the um i'm really facing this at the moment writing my book because every time i sit down to write i think what am i trying to write here am i trying to write my experience or am i trying to write the truth that i have come to learn from underneath that you know mm. experience and and it's really tricky because I think I think both are useful. Mm. Actually, I think having those kind of guiding principles can be really useful, general principles. But also, as a human being, I, I find it quite powerful to be able to identify with a specific experience. You know, so there'll be somebody out there listening to this, no doubt, that is an orthopedic surgeon that perhaps feels like they're not working in line with their values, and they'll get a very specific mm. benefit yeah. from hearing you share your story. You know, and um, and trying to find that balance between you know, do you do you draw back to on your specific experience which you know is as you say is just a fleeting one-off and can be different and can change or do you draw back to print basic principles that's such a great question the i think for me the way i see it right now standing here on this bridge over the canal is is we we can use experience to point to truth Mm. because um it's through having all the different experiences and seeing what is constant in all those experiences mm. is to mm. see who we are beneath all of that, mm. see what doesn't change. Mm. That's, th- that's the truth. And it's really hard to talk about because it's, it's kind of like on the boundary between the formless and the form. Yeah, I mean, it's quite hard keeping track of the conversation just as we're having it. I've got to be honest with you. There might be people out there listening going, uh, this where have they my, gone here? This is what a coaching session's like with me. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened then, Giles, but yeah, I th- uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this, again, I suppose this is the point I was trying to make is sometimes it can be easier to, to root it into a very specific example. Yeah, yeah. you know, the way to understand... The, the, the truth is through is through metaphor that's the best yeah. we've got that's yeah. the best we've got yeah. going yeah. Y- you know we, t- we we tell stories well you know this happened and this is what i saw mm-hmm. you know there was this there was this different experience because experience is always going to ebb and flow it's always going to yeah. change and in that experience mm. what i saw was yeah. and then we build you know we build our our awareness yeah. of of what's going on it kind of gets built as time goes by mm. by looking at that experience and looking what's looking what changes and looking at what doesn't change. Yeah, because I, I don't think I would have written this book I'm writing now ten years ago, and I think it's for that exact reason actually because um, you know we're, we're human beings, aren't we? We're pretty repetitive. We sort of have to, like you alluded to earlier, have to learn the same lessons over and over before <laughs> you before you finally it hits home. And I think that's been my journey certainly. That um, and it's still I'm still on it, right? with um with medicine and with well-being i wanted to come back to a point we were talking about earlier walking along the canal that you um we were talking about how much there is in the medical press at the moment around um uh this idea that well-being in doctors is either directly related to or exactly the same as working Hmm. conditions Hmm. and just wanted to talk about that for a little bit because that really um struck home for me and i I thought we could explore that yeah so this goes back to the uh, to to that 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 time when I was leaving surgery and and I I got that first inkling of well hang on a minute it it really it really looks like the things outside of me are are what is causing my experience now what I've come to learn through all the the coaching I've done and, and the training I've done is that the 
the um, the experience that w the experience is going on, it's not what's actually causing the feelings inside of us. That that is uh, all being created inside of us moment to moment. So, for instance, if you if you um, you could you could have a bad day at work. Mm -hmm. So let's say you've got your yeah, I'm not good enough goggles on. Mm -hmm. You know, it all comes back to the goggles. Mm -hmm. They're my favourite goggles. <laughs> I wear those a lot, as do a lot of doctors. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too as a coach. <laughs> and um, and and so you'll 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 have an experience. Um, of, of being in a particular environment, being in a particular situation, and it will destroy you mm. because you've got your I'm not good enough goggles on. Mm -hmm. Now, we've all had experiences well, where we get on, out, out of bed on the, right, uh, on the right side of the bed one day and for no apparent reason, we're just, we're just a bit more carefree that day. Mm. And we could be in exactly the same situation mm. and we'll feel fine. It will be like water off a duck's back. So it's our, it's the, the situation's the same, but our internal state has shifted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah because because the, the, the actual experience itself is, is happening inside of us. You know, we're, we're perceived, we've got, we've got all of the, the data coming in through our senses, mm -hmm. and then that, the experience is being created inside of us. It's all being put together by our brain to a, like a little, a little moving, moving yeah. images of what's going on. So I might be jumping ahead a little here, but basically the idea is that the working conditions might be rubbish mm -hmm. for for doctors across the country, but actually how doctors experience mm. their lives can be different without changing the conditions one iota. Experience ebbs and flows. Experience ebbs and flows. Mm. It's it's you'll you'll have you'll have a bad experience of bad working conditions. You can have a bad experience of good working conditions. Mm. Yeah, and I think I suppose there is an argument to be said that the if working conditions are so bad that they kind of they tip over a, a point where they're going to pretty much affect anybody, right? Because humans have basic human needs like warmth and food and rest, and and actually if they're not getting those needs met, then then their bodies and their thoughts and their brains aren't going to be working as they should be, and um, and so I suppose there's perhaps there's an argument for both that yeah. that actually there's the what can how can the conditions be changed, but also how can we change how we look at things it's, and how we experience it's things. It's very much an and thing. This isn't either yeah. or in yeah. any way. Yeah. It's an and thing, and it's a normal distribution curve. So like I wouldn't want to go and work in a mine, all right? But there are people who thrive working in mines. Yeah. You know, very small number of people. Yeah. But so it's a normal distribution curve. Yeah. And yes. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I totally think that working conditions should be changed in the NHS. They're absolutely horrific. Mm -hmm. What I want to do is to show people that there's a gap between working conditions mm -hmm. and an individual's well-being. Because an individual's well-being is all about the experience mm -hmm. that they're having. So if you're thinking about that individual doctor that's out there now who's struggling... And this was your last chance to impart some wisdom to them or to mm. say something to them. What would you want to share? I would recommend that they look to what's constant, is to identify what changes, which is experience, mm. and beneath all of that, what is constant, to really ask themselves the question, who am I, what am I? Mm. And to really look for what's constant, to, uh, to, to identify what's not constant the experience coming and going the mm. ebb and flow of it and to see that that's not actually who you are yeah yeah and are there any kind of resources or particular um 
I don't know, books or podcasts or anything like that that you'd like to point people towards that have helped you over time? So there's a there's a there's there's one book that I find myself recommending to medics quite a lot because I, I coach in a very particular way. I, I, I do this thing where we look at the experience of what's actually going on moment to moment. And there's a there's a book of case histories of, of people in the NHS who've come who've been led to see this for themselves mm-hmm. and have come back from the brink of burnout or come back from from you know from mm-hmm. being off work with burnout. And that's a book called How to Turn Stress on Its Head by an author called Rani Bora, R-A-N-I-B-O-R-I. And that's that's a good place to start. Presumably available from all good bookshops and Amazon and all the rest yeah, of it. And yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. I think it might be an Amazon-only one, actually. And if people wanted to get in touch with you or to work with you, or how would they go about doing that? So I'm a joyful doctor coach. So you oh, can go to jo- yes, you are. Good plug. Thanks for that. <laughs> so you can yeah. head over to joyfuldoctor.com. I've heard it's a very good resource, that one, Caroline. Thank you. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can do, do so via there. Or uh, I'm very active on Twitter and Facebook. Just look for Giles P. Croft. And if you want to email me directly, it's uh, drdr at gilespcroft.com. Are we allowed to know what the P stands for? A pizza. Oh, lovely. My dad's name. No, that's my son's middle name too. How lovely. Uh, Thank you so, so much for being here with me today and, well, inviting me here to your backyard. (laughs) Thank you for being here. The beautiful Brecon Beacons. It's absolutely stunning. I wish everybody listening could... um, could we'll just stand here for a well, moment right? yeah we'll post some photos we might even sound clip in a bit of um, the running water from the beautiful waterfall we just passed um but yeah for now um please just yeah stay tuned for our next episode and and yeah thank you giles it's been amazing thanks for having me on the podcast bye thank you so much for listening to this episode of the joyful doctor podcast uh, really um, excited that you found the podcast and if you've enjoyed it I would love it if you would maybe share it with another doctor that you know that might enjoy it too and get something out of it um, as I say I'm all about trying to help doctors to live happier lives um, if you'd like to um, keep abreast of what's happening at Joyful Doctor then do pop over to joyfuldoctor.com and you can follow me on any of the major social media um, sites from Facebook to Instagram to Twitter to LinkedIn. Um, I really hope to connect with some of you soon and please tune in again um, for another episode of the Joyful Doctor podcast.